Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, talking with you once again about practical issues related to ministry leadership. Well, today I'd like to talk with you about something that may not sound like a practical issue, and it may not sound like it applies immediately to ministry leadership today, but I think it does. I was recently reading an article about a LifeWay research study asking pastors if they could identify modern day idols in their churches. Now, when you think about idols, you don't normally think about modern day churches and modern day worship experiences. Most of our idol stories come out of the Old Testament and relate to uh, times when the people found themselves worshiping uh, some kind of physical object instead of giving allegiance to God. For example, I was reading just this morning in my devotions from 1 Samuel chapter 7, this story. Beginning in verse 2, the Bible says, Time went by until 20 years had passed since the ark had been taken to Kiriath-Jerim. Then the whole house of Israel longed for the Lord. Samuel told them, If you are returning to the Lord with all your heart, get rid of the foreign gods and the Ashtoreths that are among you. Set your hearts on the Lord and worship only him. Then he will rescue you from the Philistines. So the Israelites removed the Baals and the Ashtoreths and only worshiped the Lord. Now, uh, this story goes on to describe uh, a victorious battle that the Israelites had over the Philistines and ultimately resulted in verse 12, where it says, Samuel took a stone and set it upright between Mizpah and Shin. He named it Ebenezer, explaining, the Lord has helped us up to this point. Now, the reason I like that last part of the story is uh, we sing a traditional hymn which says, and here I raise my Ebenezer, and most people have no idea what that's talking about. Well, it comes out of this story, erecting a stone as a memorial to remind everyone who saw it in the future of how God had blessed his people and sustained them through a difficult battle. But backing up to the beginning of the story, it starts with Samuel calling on the people to put away their idols. And in this case, the idols were the Baals and the Ashtoreths, those physical symbols of pagan deities that had been erected and were objects of worship. Now, because modern Americans don't typically have these kind of physical idols, it's easy to say, well, idolatry is not a big problem today. But this research project reveals maybe that's not the case that perhaps there are significant idols in American churches that need to be addressed. Before we get to the study itself and what it tells us, let's talk about what is an idol. Well, the simplest definition I've used over the years is this. An idol is any person or anything that controls your behavior. An idol is any person or anything that controls your behavior. So, an idol can be 
a physical thing like a car or a career. An idol can be uh, a, a, a person like an object of your affection or someone who has control over your emotions. An idol can even be a concept or a theory or a, a dream or a possibility, something that really captures you and dictates or controls your behavior. So an idol is any person or anything that controls your behavior, that demands your allegiance, that dictates your actions. That's the definition of an idol. Now, with this brief background in mind, let's talk about what this research study revealed. Pastors were asked if they could identify modern-day idols which they felt were problematic in their churches. Now, when I saw the headline and started reading the article, I knew immediately a couple of things that I thought should be on the list. And to my surprise, one of the two things that I thought should be on the list was actually number one on the survey. The other thing that I thought should be on the list wasn't on the list at all. So I'm going to talk about the one of these that's on the list, some other ideas that came out of the study, and then at the end of the podcast, I'm going to talk about this one big idol that I think is a big problem in the American church and isn't even mentioned in the survey, which may indicate that I misunderstood the survey or perhaps that people were thinking down a different vein than I'm thinking, but nevertheless, I had an idea or an answer that was very different than what showed up in the polling. Well, the first and most prominent idol that pastors identified that they see in their churches is the idol of comfort. And 67% of pastors identified this as a problem. Comfort. That's one of the two things that I thought definitely should make the list. Now think about all the expressions of how this this idol of comfort expresses itself in local church ministry. People saying things like, I want the music that I like. I want a preaching style that I understand. I want a program of ministry to my children that meets their needs. I want someone to spend time with my teenager and prioritize his or her spiritual development. I want the service to be at a time that's convenient for me. I want things my way. That's how comfort so often expresses itself. And quite frankly, this is a big problem for all of us in the American church. You know, my wife Ann and I have talked a lot over the last year or two about how this has become a problem for us. As we're getting older, we often find ourselves going to church where we're members and then to other churches where we often speak and minister and finding that so much of what's being done really doesn't connect with us. We don't understand the music. We don't understand the programming. We don't necessarily understand the the facilities and how they're constructed or how they look. There's so much about church It really seems disconnected from us. And it's tempting 
it is so tempting to lash out and say, we want a church that meets our needs. But God has helped us to have a different perspective. I recently said to a church, a group of people that I was teaching in a Bible study, mostly senior adults, I said, if you're over 60 and you like everything about your church, your church is probably dying. Now, I got some startled looks back when I said that, but I meant it. If you're over 60 and you like everything about your church, your church is probably dying. My wife, Ann, and I, we're definitely over 60. And there are many things about our church that just don't connect with us. But that's okay. Because the church isn't all about us. It's not about our comfort. It's not about our perspective. It's not about our preferences. It's not about us. It's about other people. Particularly younger families who do not yet have a relationship to God through Jesus Christ Every ministry decision must be made based on meeting their needs, on getting the gospel to them, on seeing them, on facilitating them coming to faith in Jesus Christ, and then discipling them and strengthening them in in their faith. That's what our church must be about. So I'm not just saying that some bad people out there struggle with this. I'm admitting to you here on the podcast that I struggle with this issue and My wife struggles with this issue, and we've had to come to grips with it. The number one idol identified by pastors in the American church is the idol of comfort. People wanting things to be done their way. People demanding that the facility accommodate their needs, the preaching be according to their interests, the music be a style that they enjoy, the programming and the staffing and all aspects of ministry be oriented to meet their needs. Now, how can you confront this idol? Well, the way you confront every spiritual problem by preaching and teaching the Word of God. I think one of the messages that's been lost in the modern American church is the message of sacrifice that's prevalent throughout Scripture as it relates to our service of God and our ministry impact in his kingdom. The Bible calls us to sacrifice, to sacrifice our wants, our desires, our interests, and our comfort for the expansion of God's kingdom. So I want to challenge you, church leaders, to take courage and to teach the Bible's message of sacrifice and to help confront some of this issue of comfort that is so prevalent in the church today. Confronting this issue, so significant, the issue of the idol of comfort. Now, what was the second one on the list? Well, the second idol on the list was control or security. And about 56%, well more than half, of pastors identified this as another idol that people struggle with in their churches. Control or security. Now, security is kind of the nice way of saying it. Controls more the reality of what people are grappling with. People want control. They want to be able to make the decisions, to call the shots, 
to exert their influence to have things their way. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with participating in a church and voicing your opinion or even voting your conviction. But doing things to manipulate or maintain control so that you can satisfy your own inner longing to be in charge, that's where the problem comes. So, for example, in church ministry contexts, when churches start growing or changing or doing things differently, and people rise up and say, not here, not in my church, not on my watch, and they use their influence to cut off effective ministry or growth or change. That, my friends, is the negative side of control as an idol. You know, it's sad but true. Some churches start growing, and the growth starts producing the pressure for change, and the people who were there originally who prayed for the growth, who worked for the growth, who strategized for the growth, who start to experience the growth, then rise up and choke it out by the decisions they make to exert their control in the situation. So control or security is definitely a problem, an idol that must be overcome in church ministry. Now, this, as I said, shows up in a lot of different ways. Uh, I've given you the, the one example. But it also can show up in subtle, more manipulative, passive-aggressive ways. As people work to exert control over a pastor, over a ministry leader, or over someone in their church by saying things like, well, if you don't do this, I'm not going to give, or if you don't do this, I'm not going to participate, or if you don't do this, I'm not going to show my support or offer you my, uh, uh, my, uh, my support and concern. So this kind of passive-aggressive exercise of control is also troubling and debilitating and must be confronted and overcome. Well, what's the third idol? Now, some of you may have thought this one would be at the top of the list, and it wasn't. Comfort was at the top and control was second. But the third idol is also a pretty big one for people in, in church ministry, and that is the idol of money. Now, this idol can express itself in a lot of different ways. First of all, it expresses itself in people uh, having money as a personal idol by taking them out of church and out of church-based ministry projects and ministry opportunities and directing their attentions to making more money, spending more money, uh, investing more money, and being preoccupied in an unhealthy way with money. So that's one way that money can become an idol in that it detracts or distracts a person from their spiritual commitments and their spiritual growth. That's one way this idol shows up. Another way it shows up is in using money to try to exert control or produce comfort, those first two idols, in a local church context. Saying, you know, I'll give money for these things to happen so that we might have more comfort and I might exert more control in this ministry situation. So, yes, I'll give money for a nicer facility, a, a better van, a, a more comfortable retreat or conference center. I'll give money that we might have something nicer so that we might have more comfort or more control in our situation. 
Another way that can be really evil in the use of the, this idol is using money to try to control ministers or ministry organizations. Saying, yes, you want me to give to this project? Well, in order to give to this project, you have to do this or that or the other for me. And if you do these things, then I will give to it. If you don't do these things, then I'm not going to support this effort financially. So this is just three ways that I've identified that money as an idol can show up in negative ways in church ministry contexts. Now, the sad reality is sometimes all these things get put together. Comfort, control or security, and money. They run together to produce things that you sometimes have to wonder if they really are in the best interest of expanding God's kingdom or if they're not more toward the best interest of building a local church kingdom or even building a little ministry empire for some particular ministry leader. Here's what I mean. A few years ago, I was invited to preach at a church, and they were very proud of their facilities. And after uh, the service, they asked if I'd like to have a tour of some of the facilities. And of course, uh, as a kindness to them, as their guest, I agreed to do that. So they walked me out of this rather opulent uh, sanctuary uh, through a hallway into another facility, which they said they were proud to call their Children's Resource Center. We walked into this building, and it was really like nothing I'd ever seen before in a local church context. The building uh, looked like something that belonged in Disneyland. It had incredible uh, construction, creativity, color. It had built into the facility slides and climbing walls and ball pits and other kinds of recreational things. It had designed into the classrooms projection screens and uh, art project tables and all kinds of technology that was really state-of-the-art. It was an unbelievable facility. And they told me, how many million dollars it had cost. And they said, in justifying this, we want to have the finest facility money can buy for our children to come to every Sunday. And I thought, well, I understand the spirit of that and I appreciate it, but how can you bring a child into this building and then say to that child, the needs of of the world are calling out to you and you need to go and serve those needs and meet those people and care for them in their context and sacrifice whatever it takes to get the gospel to them. The disconnect between the message delivered and the message communicated by the, by the facility was pretty stunning to me. Now I realize there's a balance here. I realize that churches need facilities and those facilities need to be adequate and there's certainly nothing wrong with building something that is uh, with excellence, that honors God and uh, represents him in a beautiful way. I get all that. But I think we have to ask some hard questions about where the need to build something with excellence falls over then into the category of the desire to show off something with opulence. There's a difference between excellence and opulence. 
There's a difference between meeting a need and putting on a show. And I think we need to do some discerning thinking about this issue as it relates to facilities, particularly in the American church. Now, the first three idols on the list, comfort, control and security, and money. And when they all three flow together, really dangerous things can happen in local church ministries. But there was one more idol that received more than 50% of the votes by pastors as being present in their churches. And that was the idol of approval. Now, I see this as a huge issue in the church today. People wanting approval. They want approval in their church, but they, but they want approval more in their community, in their work context, and in their family. And this desire for approval causes them to make decisions and hold to positions that are sometimes even contradictory to what the Bible has to say. So, for example, the Bible says that marriage is between a man and a woman for life. But the culture says marriage can be between men and men or women and women, and it isn't for life. It's a temporary social contract that lasts for a season until one or the other parties decides to move on to another relationship. So you have to decide, am I going to side with the Bible on this issue or am I going to side with the culture? Well, whose approval do I want the most? And then you take other issues like gender fluidity that's very popular in our culture today. Other issues that could go along this same line, uh, wanting approval about certain behaviors, more from people in the culture, families, communities, workforces, than from God and from his word. This fourth idol that was on the list, the idol of approval, I find to be incredibly significant and problematic in the church today. And so now that leads us to this very important question. What do we do about all this idolatry? Well, I already said a little bit in how to respond to this at the beginning of the podcast when I talked about that first idol, the idol of comfort and the importance of teaching and preaching sacrifice as the alternative to comfort. How do you confront idols? Well, you don't just confront the idol by saying something negative about it. Although it is important to call idols what they are, to label them, uh, and to help people to define them as being inappropriate for controlling, guiding, directing their lives. Yeah, you can call them out. That's one step. But even more important than that, I think you have to preach and teach biblical truth which confronts these issues and gives better biblical answers and solutions to these problems. So, for example, teaching uh, the biblical concept of sacrifice confronts the idol of comfort. Teaching the biblical doctrine of security of the believer confronts this idol of security and control. Teaching biblical principles of stewardship confronts the idol of money and helps people understand how to use it more appropriately. And then conf teaching the biblical standards of 
righteousness, and justice confront this longing for many people have for approval. So, what's the solution to confronting these idols in the church? It's sound teaching and sound preaching. It's calling these things out for what they are, teaching a healthier perspective on them from the Bible, and then modeling that as a leader and holding up other examples to your followers of people who are doing this well. So, idolatry still has to be confronted in the church today, and it's confronted in these ways that I've described. Call out the idols, label them for what they are, preach and teach truth which confronts and confounds these idols and gives believers a better way to live. Now, I also promised you today I'd tell you my one idol that's not on the list. Now, perhaps it's not on the list because the way the survey question was posed, it didn't really lead people this direction or ask pastors to think in this content context, but I'll give you what I think is one of the great idols in the American church today, and that is sports. And this expresses itself in so many ways. For example, there are many families who have committed their weekends to youth sports activities, and particularly to travel teams and elite teams. And when I say sports, I mean everything from football to baseball to gymnastics to cheer and dance. I mean all these kinds of physical activities that children are involved in all over the country, a multi-billion dollar industry of youth, sports, leagues, activities, camps, events, conferences, all of it. I know many families that do not participate in their churches, don't even have time to consider the possibility of going to church because every weekend is committed to some kind of sports activity. You know, I travel and speak a lot with my job, and I see this consistently in my travels. It is very common for me to come down to the breakfast room in a hotel on a Sunday morning before I'm going to a church to preach and see 15 girls there all dressed alike, getting ready to go for a soccer tournament, having their breakfast together. Cheer teams, boys baseball teams. I see these teams regularly, not every weekend, but many weekends as I travel the country connecting uh, to preach the gospel. I, I connect with these kinds of sports teams everywhere. Now, this is just one expression of how sports as an idol is detracting people from church ministry and from church involvement. I also uh, run into people who say, well, I can't go to church because I'm going to stay home and watch the NFL on Sunday, or I'm going to be involved in going to a uh, sporting event instead. That's another example of what I mean. Another example, which is really sad, is the prevalence of gambling on sports and how it takes money away from Christians who could be giving those resources and investing those resources in Christian ministry. So whether it's youth sports or whether it's pro sports or whether it's gambling on sports, I see sports and its influence as a huge idol in the American church today. Now, 
Am I against sports? Absolutely not. I, I am a huge sports fan. My children were involved in youth sports. We wrestled with the challenges of balancing these things out over the years. So there's a great value in sports, especially for children as they learn teamwork and sacrifice and what it means to fulfill a commitment. Uh, all of these kinds of things are good, valuable parts of what it means to be involved in sports organizations. Anything wrong with rooting for your favorite NFL team? Not anything at all. It provides a level of joy and uh, interaction and conversation and oftentimes gives uh, fathers and sons who have that generational strain going on in their relationship something to talk about by sharing a sports experience together. So I'm not against all sports. I think there's a lot of good that could come from them. But what I'm advocating for is asking yourself this hard question. Is sports controlling my behavior, dictating how I use my time, taking me away from things that really are important and do matter to me? If so, then sports has become an idol and it needs to be confronted. It doesn't necessarily have to be rejected, but you've got to move it into a more manageable part of your life so that it's a part of who you are, not a defining quality of how you spend your time, energy, and money. And confronting this is also your responsibility as a ministry leader as you continue to confront this issue of idols in the church. Well, Lifeway Research did a good job of surveying pastors and asking questions about idols in the church, what they look like, how we can address them, and what needs to be done about them. I've tried to give you a few additional thoughts here on the podcast about what you can do to bring awareness to this issue and how you can confront these issues in local church ministry. Confronting idols is not just an Old Testament thing. It's a very much contemporary problem today. Have courage to call these things what they are, idols, to confront them with the Word of God and to help people live a healthier life and certainly a healthier level of spiritual devotion apart from any of these idols controlling who they are or what they do. Take on this challenge of confronting idolatry as you lead on.